0: We're going to be in Luke 17 today, and we have finished our sermon series on the apostolic marks. Next week, we will begin a series on Advent as we kick off the Advent season. And today, as we consider the season of Thanksgiving, we're going to look, look at Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, as we look at Luke's account of Jesus cleansing the ten lepers. Luke, in his writings, both in his gospel here and also in the book of Acts, he emphasizes that the gospel is for all people. And and Luke, who is not a Jew but a Gentile, he really speaks by his own experience as a foreigner, as someone from outside the people of God who was sought after by Christ and who now came to know Christ. He knew Jesus as his Savior and he received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Frequently in Luke's writings, what we will find is that he is pointing pointed out that those who once were considered unclean have been made clean by the blood of Christ. He also points out over and over again that those who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And as we will see in this passage, this theme will follow closely uh, to that. Uh, as far as a setting and a timeline goes, Jesus is nearing the end of his earthly ministry here in Luke 17. The passage actually tells us that he's on his way to Jerusalem, which is telling us that the triumphal entry wherein Jesus enters Jerusalem own a cult, meaning he is coming there to die for the sins of his people. And so what we find in this section of the book of Luke is these are his final miracles before the miracle of the resurrection, And here's a reason to really love and cherish Luke's writings. He highlights ministry to the poor and to the forgotten. And here's why. The reason he does that is because he highlights the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Luke tells us to persistently ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, just like a man without bread would persistently beg for bread. Luke tells us about how the Holy Spirit fell upon the Samaritans who were considered unworthy of the promises of God. Luke is also the one who tells us how the Holy Spirit fell upon Cornelius and his family who were Gentiles. Our vision here is to have a commitment to reach the least in the lost for Christ. Luke would tell us that that is a great vision because he would tell us that is also the commitment of the Holy Spirit to reach the least in the and the lost for Christ. And so let's go to Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Let me open our time in prayer. Father, we needed to be cleansed with the blood of Christ, and therefore it's a different kind of cleansing that we needed. We needed something more than water. We needed something more than what we could do for ourselves. We needed the blood of our Creator, and You were willing. Father, thank You that You have washed us with Your blood. Thank You that You have cleansed us. Thank You that You have rescued us. Father, thank You that You did not leave us alone here on earth, but instead You have given us the gift of Your Holy Spirit, our Comforter advocate, the one who continues to work inside of us, continuing to wash us. And Father, we pray that your spirit would be at work this morning as we look at your word and see how you would long to speak to our church. And we pray all this in the strong name of Christ. Amen. Luke 17, starting in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Here's where we are going. Here's where this passage is leading us that saving faith is believing that the God of provision is also the God of salvation, that the two cannot be separated. And as we consider this season of thanksgiving, I hope that this passage will lead us as people and as a church to recognize and give thanks for three things here. One, that we would recognize and give thanks for his compassion towards you and towards the world. That it would also call us and lead us to give thanks for his authoritative voice and also for his divine right to be worshiped. And as we look at his compassion towards you and the world, even today we can understand and we can recognize the need to separate the sick. From the well. Just this last week, I had someone tell me that they were sad that they missed Sunday's worship last week, but their child was sick, and they did not want to pass on this sickness to other children in our nursery. And I'm sure that some of you moms out there are glad that they made that decision to choose to not infect your children with whatever was going on. We see this in our schools today. If, if our child is sick, the teachers do not want us to send our children to school, even doctor's offices. I've noticed in our own pediatrician's office that when you walk in, that this big room is divided. One side is the sick room, and then one side is the well for those that may come to get vaccinations or to just get routine checkups. And so there's this divide of sick and well, even in doctors, almost as if there's this imaginary barrier that keeps the sick germs away from the well side of the room. But we understand this separation. And yet, most likely we do not understand what was going on with lepers in the time of this writing and how they were separated and how they were outcasts. One thing to understand about lepers in this time was that they were social outcasts and they were also religious outcasts. They were social because they couldn't be they were social outcasts because they couldn't be touched. People didn't understand exactly how the disease was contracted and so therefore people didn't know if they if, even if they were breathed on if they could possibly get leprosy. And so they were cast out of homes. They were cast away from their families. They were cast away from their friends. Everything that they knew, they had to keep a complete distance from. Many became homeless. Many lost the people that they loved. Many chose to do that even if they saw signs of it protecting people that they knew from the disease. They were also religious outcasts because leprosy was seen as a divine judgment for heinous Sins committed. And therefore, the religious community, even priests, would justify their disgust and their refusal to help by saying that their lot in life was deserved. These lepers deserved what was coming because of what they had obviously done, how they had obviously sinned against God. Now, this account in Luke 17 tells us that there were 10 lepers. And this really affirms what I was saying because they often joined. In communities together to be together in groups they would find one another having lost everyone that they once knew and they would form these groups these communes to literally rot away together as they would die together from their disease because they had been socially they had been religiously outcasted by the priests and by the people now, I mention all, all of that to ask this question. What would have caused these lepers to waste their breath by calling out for Jesus and His mercy? What would have caused them to, to, to shout out for Jesus when they saw Him? Luke tells us earlier in his gospel in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus healed a leper then, early on in His ministry. Luke five twelve and 13 tells us this. While he was, Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So there's a chance that these ten had heard about this prior healing and therefore they believed that only if they could find Jesus, if only they could see Jesus, then they could be healed and therefore they cry out to Him. But I want us to really consider what is happening with these ten outcasts and what is even happening in Luke chapter 5 with this one man who is described as full of leprosy. What's really going on there? And recognize that none of them say, Jesus, could you heal us? None of them say, Jesus, am I too far, too far taken away by the disease for you to heal me? None of them say, could you have mercy on us? So it is important to know that they understood that they were approaching And they were crying out to a man who had the power to heal the worst of diseases. And they understood that. They understood that they were going to someone who had the capability of divine healing. A divine person. But if he was divine, why would they ever go near him? So understand, it wasn't a matter of whether Jesus could or could not heal them. The question is, and this is what we should ask, why would Jesus ever heal lepers? Why would He ever heal lepers? Remember, lepers believed and they were told and they were treated like this was a divine judgment against them. They were cursed and outcast by God. And this is how we can all relate to these lepers in this story. This is how we could all identify with them. If something terrible happens us. Or if you're told by someone or by others by others or by yourself that something that ter- something terrible that is happen- happening to you has been because of God's judgment, hand of judgment is against you, it's not hard to believe that. We, in fact we can easily believe it. We actually go there first. If things fall apart, we believe we are getting what we deserve. If things fall apart, the first place that our mind goes is, what have I I done to deserve this? What has brought God's judgment down on me? And here's what I'm saying. It was not hard for these lepers to believe that their sin, of which they had, of which was very real, of which they were well aware of, it was not hard for them to believe that this led to their leprosy. When the priest told them that, it was easy for them to think about... Things that they had done or things that they were involved in or things that, that they were responsible for that, yes, had caused this leprosy. It's not hard for them to believe that. And we can identify with that. So why would they approach Jesus, the divine one? Why would they approach the divine if they had been told and if they had believed that this was divine judgment? if they deserved their lot in life. And here's why. They knew that Jesus was full of compassion. This is where this all lands. They understood that this was someone who was full of compassion. When they were in His presence, all of the divine judgment thoughts began to fade away and they saw a healer, a cleanser, a divine healer, a divine cleanser. They had been told that God had cast them with leprosy, and they were told that God's mercy and forgiveness could not even be approached. They were not even allowed in the temple. And yet, here comes Jesus, God in the flesh, tabernacled among them, walking by, and they asked for His compassion, because they knew He was full of compassion. And the compassion of Jesus did not find itself subservient to social customs or the religious system. And they knew it. In fact, they came in contact with His compassion before they were healed. They understood that it was there. Before they were ever cleansed, they experienced His compassion. And that's why they asked for His mercy. That's why they asked to be made clean. Because they trusted in His mercy compassion now as we recognize and as we give thanks for the compassion of Christ of which I hope that we do many times throughout today and even this week I hope that one we will be reminded of Jesus' compassion towards you so in other words as we give thanks this week I hope that it's not just a thanksgiving for a general compassion that Jesus has or the general Uh, universal compassion of Christ, and instead we would know that it is for us, that you would know that it is for you, that Jesus reaches out to you, that He speaks to those that don't believe that they deserve the touch or the voice of God. That we would believe and embrace the fact that Jesus redeems those that have sold themselves into a life of sin and bondage. That Jesus answers those that plead for His mercy. So this is to encourage us to never separate the compassion of Christ from the compassion that you desperately need. To not separate that, but instead to marry those very things and as you give thanks for Him, to remember that it is for you. And then also to remember that Jesus' compassion towards us is intended to extend to the world through us. And therefore, this is to say that there are those that don't believe that they deserve your presence or your voice. Others have told them that. They've told themselves that. Maybe we have told them that numerous times. And here's the truth. Just like the lepers, those that are surrounding us that have been told or that have told themselves that they don't deserve our presence or our voice, they have reasons to believe that that's true. But our compassion should overcome it. Our compassion for the world that Jesus has should be in our hearts as we look to reach the world in His name. As we recognize and give thanks for His compassion to us and to the world, we must also recognize and give thanks for His authoritative voice. Now here in this passage, we don't know exactly why Jesus did not go to where the lepers were, why He did not cross the road or the river to get to them and touch them and heal him, heal them as He did the man in Luke chapter 5. But what we do know, what we can see in this passage is that there was power and authority in Jesus' voice. And as he told the ten to go and present themselves to the priests, he was telling them that they were being cleansed. So if you're quickly reading through this passage and you see that they ask for his mercy and then he responds by saying, go to the priest, it may sound like he is saying, look elsewhere or I have to hurry and get to Jerusalem. Go and see if the priest could actually help you. But what we find is that that's not what he is doing at all. In fact, he is following the custom of the law here, which saw the Jewish priests as functioning sort of like doctors in a way when it came to skin diseases like this. They would inspect people and then declare them as unclean. And then if people thought they had possibly been cured, they would then inspect them and perform a ceremony that would over time declare them as clean. And then, when they were declared as clean, the priests would then allow them to enter back into society, back into the religious system, back into um, their homes and their families. And therefore, when the lepers heard Jesus say this in 7 14, they knew that he was saying, go and let the priests inspect you because you are being cleansed. They would have understood it. They would have known it. And we are to see that this was all by his word. This was all by his voice. And so as Luke is recording some of these final healings, what is he wanting us to be sure and get about this person, Jesus. He is wanting us to see that at the center of this healing, that His voice has power, that His touch wasn't even needed here. When the Apostle John spoke of Jesus, he called Him the Word, the Word that was there in the beginning that said, let there be light, and then there was light that covered the world. Paul tells us in Colossians 3.16 to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, this is all to say that this same voice that spoke the world into being is the voice here that brought healing to these ten lepers. And this same voice, this same voice that we read about here maintains its life and its authority and its power through the Scriptures of which we have today in this room an abundance of the voice of Christ. And so why do we have the Bible And I ask that question for you. Think think of your answers of why we have the Bible today. Why has this voice transcended time? And why is it in front of us? Why do we get to have it in our homes? Why is it here? Some answers may be rightly to teach. The Word is here to teach. It's here to, learn, to help us to learn. The Word is here so that we can become disciples and then we can make disciples to be more like Christ, to admonish and to correct. These are all true. And as a matter of fact, we will find these in the Bible itself. But what if we have the Bible today? What if the Bible is here now? So that Jesus could keep healing lepers. Following his ascension, what if Jesus could keep cleansing the unclean? What if it was more than a book that was good to have around? And what if it was the very word of Christ that gave hope to a room here full of lepers? Full of the unclean. What we have in this passage and on every other page of Scripture is the Word. The same Word that went out to these ten unclean, untouchable lepers, and it's the Word that took away their disease. And this passage, in this sermon, is meant to heal you. It's meant to give you hope. When we read and listen and talk about the Word's of Christ in our home. It is meant to align with the Holy Spirit as the Word joins with the One who breathed this Word down. And it is meant to authoritatively do a work in our lives. When the Word of Christ is spoken over and read over your children or your grandchildren, it's designed to be effectual. When we share it with those that don't know the Author, we are promised that this very word, the voice of Christ, will not return to us void. What if Jesus had said, go to the priests, and then they went to the priests, and they found out they were still unclean, that they still had leprosy? We We would say that could never happen. If Jesus pronounced them clean, then they are clean. That's the voice of Christ. This is what we have. The very voice of Christ. The voice that spoke the world into being is the one here today. And if we have anything less than what we see in this passage, then there is no hope for cleansing. If we have anything less than what was going on here, there's no hope for cleansing. And so we praise God and we give praise Thanks for the authoritative voice that is here but that has continued in its fullness for us at Grace Fellowship and for our community here. Now because the God of provision is also the God of salvation, we must recognize and give thanks for His divine right to be worshipped. In verse 15 of this chapter, this story now takes a turn. And it begins to just focus on just one of the ten. And so we are to see the ten have been healed. They've been cleansed. Their leprosy is going away. But we're going to focus on the Samaritan. Luke wants us to see something that is set apart about the Samaritan. Because as he realized that they were all healed, he turned back. And as he was praising God, he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus. And he began giving thanks. Thanks. Now, do you think that the other nine were not thankful? I think if we really think about this, we can recognize that they were all very thankful. As a matter of fact, I bet they were overwhelmed with thanksgiving. Not only had their pain dissipated, their limbs were being healed, their skin was no longer Rotting away, they were about to get their life back. For many of them, maybe their homes back. Their families back. Of course they were thankful. But what separated the one from the nine? What kind of thanksgiving separated the one who turned back from the other nine that continued on to the priest? The one came back to the one who had cleansed him. The one who had healed him. Healed him. And listen to what the others did. The others did exactly what Jesus said. They went to the priests. This is what they did. This is what he told them to do. And that's what they continued to do. But one turned back. And this is to tell us that they did what Jesus said. But they didn't praise God. Their body was healed, but they were still perishing. So here's what, we, here's what separated the nine. Here's what, the, here's what defines the nine. They were thankful for their God of provision, but they did not know the God of salvation. The one also realized that his need of cleansing went further than a skin disease. Something happened within this man's heart and that he knew then that he needed more. And so do you see that Jesus said, go to the priest, and he starts going, and then he's recognizing what's going on, and his heart is overwhelmed with something, and so he turns back to Christ. Something else is at work. This week, millions of people will give thanks to the God of provision. They will give thanks for what they have and who they are, but they will not turn to the God of salvation. They're giving thanks to a different God. How will you be set apart this week? Will it be because you have found your place in society? Will it be because you have found your place in religion? Or will it will you be set apart because you have turned back to Christ? I can think of no better representation of the gospel where we see Jesus say, go to the priests and they do what Jesus says and yet they don't have the gospel. There is something missing in their hearts that would cause them to praise the Lord through Christ. But here is a man who is on his way to reclaiming his status Reclaiming his home. Reclaiming perhaps his wealth. Reclaiming his religious practices. And he left it. And he went to Christ. He wanted the gospel. He wanted the divine healer that could heal him fully. And this is why Jesus said, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you you will. The others believed that they were being healed from leprosy. But this man understood that he needed a deeper, a further healing, more than simple healing from leprosy. He needed his heart cured. And it had to be from Christ. And he went back to the one worthy of his worship. Not simply because he gave him help. But because he knew that he was about to get his righteousness. He was bowing down to the one that would take away his divine judgment because the divine one was going to be divinely judged. He was going to the one that was about to go to the cross. And so as we give thanks this week, and as we're rightly thankful to the God of provision. May we see that this God of provision has provided salvation through His Son by sending His Son to be divinely judged. To take on much more than leprosy. To take take on much more than a physical curse, but to take on our very spiritual curses. So are you worshiping the life that Jesus has given you? are you willing to turn back from it? Are you willing to turn from it all to leave that worship behind and then worship the one true God, the one who has given you more than just life here, but life for all of eternity with Him. He is the one that is found at the center of the gospel. He's the one who is found dying for you. Father, we say have mercy on us because we trust in your compassion. Lord, we plead for your mercy because we know that you long to pour it out on your people. And so, Father, we don't come offering our sacrifices and offering what we think is good enough. Instead, we come simply with our humble faith that has been given to us by You as a gift. Father, may we be thankful more than ever that You are our God of salvation, and that You are our God who cleanses us with the broken body and the spilled blood of Christ. And we pray all this in His name. Amen.